What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Chaz Pearson, and this is the Outlet Forum Podcast with my esteemed co-host, Chris Camello. What's up, Chris? What up, what up, Chazzer? Oh, man, we got another great show for you guys this week. Of course, we got the continued KD and Kyrie saga and a few updates happening over the past week. And Summer League got a little interesting between Westbrook and LeBron. We'll get into that a little later. And of course, we got your update as far as what's going on with the NBA Summer League, we got rookies and first and second year players showing out and a few changes going on in the NBA to some rules that the voters voted on earlier this week. And of course, we got your social media posts of the week. But Chris, yes, sir. what's going on, man? There's always something new with <clears throat> this KD and Kyrie saga. So for the past, what, week or so, maybe even 10 days or so, well, actually, ever since June the 30th, at about noon, three hours before free agency, Kevin Durant requested his trade, and reportedly he called Josiah, the owner of the Brooklyn Nets, directly to make his request. And the update this week is you're seeing Kyrie at Sparks games. You're seeing him at Summer League. You're seeing different posts, different reports coming out, conflicting reports still, oh. like we talked about last week. And really the main update this week is from Jovan of The Athletic. And yeah, he was Jovan about Buha. He's a, he's Jovan a, friend, Buha. Of, a friend of the program. We got to get him on this podcast. But yes, I've yeah, known Jovan a long time. Fantastic reporter, by the way, for The Athletic. I just didn't want to butcher his last name just now. So thank you for you. the assist. I got you, um, man. I got that alley. So, I'm Kobe, you're Shaq. There we go. I slam it down, baby. So, <laughs> of course, he was on 710 ESPN. And he had a few different things that he was saying. And the main thing that came out of that, that he reported is that the Lakers have made their latest offer to the Brooklyn Nets of Russell Westbrook, a first round pick and a second round pick. Mm. They've been reluctant to throw in two first round picks because they're bidding against themselves. There's nobody else on the market. That's actually contending for Kyrie. You're hearing stories about the Mavericks and that's been shot down. And even the 76ers was floated out there for a little bit. But both teams were like, no, 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 no. Don't attach us to him. So what's your take, Chris, on this update? Should the Lakers just go in and throw in a second round? Uh, I'm sorry, a second first round pick along with all the other stuff that they've offered with Russell Westbrook and the second rounder to get this done? Or should they stand pat like they've been doing and hold on to that second first round pick? It's a slippery slope. Uh, well, first of all, I think that these rumors are affecting everybody except the two guys who are involved, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Uh, <clears throat> first of all, let, let me, let, before I get into the Kyrie situation, let me just point out about KD. I know I said a lot of stuff last week. And I, by the way, I meant every. Oh, before. you did. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I know. And, and the thing about it is I'm not here to uh, do a, I'm not here to do a drop back or anything like that. What I said about KD, I meant. KD is a spectacular talent. KD is going to go down as one of the all-time greatest basketball players, one of the all-time greatest scorers, one of the all-time greatest small forwards. Take your pick. He's going to go, to, go down as an all-time great. What I didn't like was how he handled this situation to an organization that, to me, had been good to him. That's why 
So I know a lot of people were saying, hey, Chris, you mad, you this, you that. No, I, I meant everything that I said. And the thing about Kevin Durant in this situation is 40 years guaranteed. Not one, not two. I'm going to be like LeBron. Not one, not two, not three, but four guaranteed years. So naturally, Sean Marks is going to try to get everything but the kitchen sink, pick swaps, first rounders, young assets, contracts, whatever the case may be. So I can't blame him for trying to gouge these other teams because this is still a top three, top four talent in the game, a future Hall of Famer with a lot of years left. So naturally, we want to get our take. That deal is going to be more complicated, especially if the DeAndre Ayton situation in Phoenix ends up going to Indiana, which that has a lot more steam of late than anything that we've heard as far as uh, Durant going anywhere else. Now, the Kyrie situation is different. Nobody wants Kyrie Irving. He's essentially a lame duck. He's in the final year of his contract. So what the Lakers have to be careful of here is outbidding themselves. So I can't blame Rob Palenka for not wanting to throw in another first round pick and say, here, here we're going to give you our last two bargaining chips in these two first rounders. Uh, plus Russell Westbrook is THT in, in the deal as well. Not reportedly, not reportedly, okay. uh, not reportedly. Okay. It's just Russ, as far as Jovan goes, as far as what he reported, Russ, a first and a second. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I can't blame the Lakers for, for trying to basically getting to a staring contest with Sean Marks. It's like, Hey, we're here for now. And if you decide you want to go elsewhere, that's fine. But we also have other options too. We could get Indiana on the phone. We can get another team on the phone and try to, you know, don't forget, I think Eric Gordon is still floating out there. So what's keeping Rob Palenka from saying, you know what, let's, let's make a deal to get Eric Gordon. Good, solid combo guard, good veteran, can knock down the three ball, can handle the rock. So if Indiana decides they want to gouge us, then we could go into option three. So the Lakers have other options. Brooklyn and Sean Marks don't when it comes to Kyrie Irving. So if I'm the Lakers, I continue to float stuff out there like, hey, we may deal with Indiana. We may deal with Houston. We may deal with another team to get other guys that may not be as sexy as Kyrie, as far as basketball-wise, of course, but might actually help us in a position to be successful. So I can't, I can't blame the Lakers for not wanting to include those picks because the urgency isn't there yet. And they shouldn't. I like the fact that Rob Palenka has, is holding on to as many assets as possible. People are like, well, what F them picks? Who cares about the picks? It's not just the picks. Yeah. Of course, we don't care about the picks. The picks are an asset, an yeah. asset to use for more players later. Exactly. The Lakers need more than just Kyrie, right? So yeah. if the Lakers, it's been obviously floated around and, and on the internet and blogs and on TV, of course, that even if the Lakers do get Kyrie Irving and have a big three of AD, Kyrie and LeBron, they still don't think that's a championship team. So if, if that's the case, then why hate on the Lakers for holding on to as many assets as they possibly can when there's no other team that's out there that's viably bidding for said star, and, i.e. Kyrie? And so, don't forget, she has two and a half months left before training camp starts. So it's not like training camp's tomorrow and you don't know what direction you're going into either. You could wait so this I'm, out. You have time. I'm good with it. I, yeah, I'm too. of the belief. I'm of the belief that, you know, if it, if, if it comes down to it, the Lakers will throw in a second first round pick if it comes down to it, right? Because you cannot bring Russ back at this point. And we'll talk about it a little bit more. Uh, later on in the show as far as why you can't bring Russ back among many other obvious reasons but we'll get into that but I'm also of the mindset that nothing is going to happen until 
the KD deal gets done first. And here's why. Here's why. Mm. The only leverage that Brooklyn has is to say that they're just going to bring Kyrie and KD back. And if Kyrie is already traded to the Lakers, they lose all leverage that they even have about saying that to any other team because if Kyrie's not there, they know KD is going to be out. They know because the only reason why he was only in Brooklyn in the first place was with his boy, which is why they both weren't Knicks instead. So I understand not pulling a trigger on a Kyrie deal because you want to be able to get back as much as you can for KD. And with that being said, there's a little wrinkle that kind of opened up earlier this week, actually today, um, that we're recording this podcast. Donovan Mitchell Mm. is now being floated out by the Utah Jazz, and they were listening to offers for Donovan Mitchell. And now it's just now being reported by Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN that this is happening. But I am of the belief that Donovan Mitchell has been floated out since earlier in the season. And I don't think that Donovan Mitchell is going to be a Utah Jazz member for very much longer, especially with Rudy Gobert going for five picks and four players to Minnesota earlier this month. And Danny Ainge putting out the narrative, sorry to interrupt, but Danny Ainge also said, I don't know if this guy could not just be the face of this franchise. I don't know if he could lead us into any sort of success as the number one guy. That's actually a a good question because you've been able to see questions about that especially defensively and especially galvanizing the troops because he's had a good squad he probably just didn't get along with Rudy Gobert like that but that opens it up for a better trade for KD to get to Phoenix that's the news that I take from that because early on right after KD requested his trade there were rumors that were being floated out even before this that Donovan Mitchell could be a player that Brooklyn likes and Brooklyn and this was also when uh, the memes that were going on with Brian Windhorst on ESPN, like, hmm, why would Utah trade Royce O'Neal right before they traded Rudy Gobert and, and Katie made his trade request? Story time with I'm, Rudy. <laughs> I'm, thinking, I'm thinking that somehow Donovan Mitchell is either involved in a KD trade or he makes his way to New York. And I bring that up because if Donovan Mitchell is going to be involved in a KD trade, that's just going to speed the process up because otherwise I don't see anything materializing very soon for a KD trade. And as a result, given the reasons like I just said a few minutes ago, no Kyrie trade either. If KD isn't traded by the Brooklyn Nets. So all of this is interconnected. And I'm also looking out for Deandre Ayton signing a possible offer sheet in Indiana as what's being reported on a sign and trade because Ayton is a piece that could get KD to Phoenix but obviously that's the piece that Brooklyn isn't too gung-ho about either. So there's a lot that's moving and shaking right now and that's intertwined with each other, but nothing is happening until Katie and Kyrie gets traded. That's why you're seeing a lot of other players like John Collins and other restricted free agents like DeAndre Ayton still staying put because they got to wait to see what the big dogs are going to do first. For sure. And and it's really going to become a war of attrition. And the fact of the matter is if you feel you have a legitimate package to land Kevin Durant, then yeah, you should be waiting it out and, and not jumping the gun on a move that will probably still be on the table two months from now. But the question is, are these teams one, are they willing to wait it out? And two, do they, uh, do they believe that their package is reasonable enough to get Kevin Durant? 
And this is, and I, I, I think the weight out aspect and the two could be related in this aspect, the weight out aspect is basically saying, Hey, Sean, you got to bring down your asking price a little bit because you, you know, and I know a lot of that stuff is, un, is unreasonable. And, so and I think what that's is that what, asking price? That asking price is everything that asking prices. Well, I just mentioned it earlier. It's the pick swaps. It's the first rounders. It's the young assets. It's, it's, it's a star player. It's, it's not even just two all-stars. They want two all-stars. That's unreasonable. That's unreasonable. You have to understand the structure of these deals is, I mean, did, did, did New Orleans ask the Lakers for two all-stars for Anthony Davis, who at that time was a top five player? No, they knew like, if we're going to get full maximum value, we, we not only have to worry about the short con, but the long con to quote, to quote the, the late great Senator Clay Davis from, from the wire. And that's the thing. So let's get the pick swaps. Let's get the picks. And if we can get a few guys to help us in the meantime, like Aunt Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart, we'll go that direction. I think that is the proper structure in any trade, it, that's why you call it a haul. You don't call it a haul to get two all-star players. I mean, that would be ideal. But if I can get young players and picks and picks that could be worth something down the road that I could flip into something else, that is the, the biggest thing right there. So I think Sean Marks is going to have to lower his value because if you're that serious about moving Kevin Durant, then uh, I can understand why you want the full Monty, but I just don't know how probable that is or how reasonable that is at this point it's not reasonable at all there's no team that has two all-stars that's going to give up those two all-stars plus picks and still be a destination that KD wants to be for the next four years you have to understand this guy exactly. is he's about to be 34 years old by yeah. the time the deal's done he's going to be 38 he's not going to want to leave again wherever he goes he's going to want to stay there for the next few years i.e people like you talking shit about his legacy which is why he's going on a twitter rant right now talking about hey what did you guys do today to enhance your legacy and he's going back and forth with people on twitter about oh you're not you're down legacy points now he's just making fun obviously and i'm just throwing i'm making fun that doesn't help his cause cause. who cares What, what what he's saying is that he doesn't care about your opinion or my opinion or anybody else's opinion about his legacy his legacy is defined by what other people and other generations later on are going to deem it as not people like us quite frankly and that's okay. honestly the truth i mean that's on um, him okay i mean he doesn't have absolutely. to worry what what we think but at the same point in time history is going to see that this guy was not ever a true leader that he didn't galvanize that he wasn't a culture setter that the success that he was able to have in golden state was coming into a cushy situation that allowed him just to go out there and operate on the court while everybody else like Curry and Draymond and Clay and Steve Kerr uh, established the culture, did the leading and were able to galvanize. And it just allowed him to be that guy on the court, like a hired gun, nothing wrong no with doubt. that, but just call no. it what it is. That's all I'm saying. No doubt. There's definitely, and going it's not to even Durant. A, Kawhi Leonard falls the, into that same, that same category as well. To there's me. definitely a table that Katie won't be able to sit at if he doesn't win another championship, uh, you know, on his own or, you know, doing it what is called quote unquote his way. So, uh, I mean, it's a lot going on, man. And, and, and it's a lot that's possible. I threw out a lot as far as what's being floated around on the internet uh, at this point. Hey man, and, and these articles and, and you're reading, you know, comments and back and forth. And but really the reporters that I'm that I'm really attached to the people that I think 
are are very clued in. I think the, st- the story is going to come from Chris Haynes. Um, he's one of my favorite reporters that I look up to. I- I'm also looking at Mark Stein um, and obviously Woj, Woj and Sham. So it, obviously hey, it's, 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 it's a lot of back and forth, but sure. it's a lot of posturing. But I think really at the end of the day, uh, this KD trade is going to get done. And if it doesn't get done, you might see Kevin Durant in a Brooklyn uniform at the start of training camp. Can I ask you this though? Uh, let's go back to Mitchell just for a second. How would Mitchell affect KD? Are you talking about as far as would New York be involved in a three-team deal or would, are we yes. just talking about the structure of the deal? Kind of like what you said about Rudy Gobert. Now that's the standard for how a potential KD trade would have to go. Can you just enlighten me on that? Cause I got a little confused there from what you said. So let's just, let, let's just say it's a three-team deal, right? Okay. And Phoenix is said to, you know, Brooklyn tells Phoenix, hey, we like what you have, but that's not going to do it for us. Go get another third team involved to get us back what we want. They want at least one all-star. Two all-stars really is what they want. But if they if they can get a cornerstone player that's already an all-star, that's that's really good, that they want, then – I think that they'll listen and Donovan Mitchell could be that player that might ease the tension and bring down their asking price just by a little bit. Mm. So if let's say Phoenix, Phoenix calls um, Utah and they work out a deal where Phoenix is sending back some assets to Utah, Utah is sending Donovan Mitchell and some at and some assets from Phoenix to Brooklyn and, you know, as a result, you know, Phoenix gets KD, Brooklyn gets the all-star that they want in spite of Mitchell and some other assets. And, you know, Utah is fairly compensated uh, from Phoenix for even getting Donovan Mitchell involved in the first place. That's just a possibility. And obviously sure. there's, and there's, you, you, the salary that, that, that goes into that. You yeah. got to match dollar for dollar up to what, 85%. Um, there's going to be picks and swaps and probably second rounders and cash considerations, all kinds of stuff. But I'm just giving you the framework of what could happen. Okay. And, you know. So so Mitchell would be involved as a third team. But the, if the Knicks go after Mitchell, which is the report that I saw, they, they're just going to deal with Utah straight up. They're oh, not interested in helping Brooklyn the, at all, right? The Knicks, unless, unless somehow okay. you're given the Knicks something. But the I think Knicks that's have, where the confusion well, came in. I thought you were alluding to the Knicks' interest in Mitchell that could affect what Brooklyn ends up doing. Okay, I think I misunderstood you. Thanks for the, clearing the that room, up. Yeah. The rumor that was floated out before Kevin Durant made his trade request was that somehow Utah, Phoenix, and Brooklyn in a three-team deal to get Phoenix, to get Katie, and Donovan Mitchell in Brooklyn as a result could be the framework of a deal. That was the that was just a rumor, not right. to know okay. if it's true or not. I mean, you you got even four team deals that could possibly be involved if you involved uh Indiana, especially if Phoenix is going to send DeAndre Ayton in a sign and trade to Indiana and then, you know, but these are really complicated deals and I'm just no doubt. I'm no spitballing doubt. At but, this but, but at this yeah, are, but I, I think unf- I think you're right though. They are such complicated deals that you're it's almost like well, we can't afford to mortgage a farm to bring in KD and then not have anyone for him to play with. And then what's keeping him from, you know, being upset. And, and now we, we don't have the assets to go after anybody. We don't have the cachet to pursue any additional free agents. So I see what, what you're saying. A third team hmm. is probably necessary for Brooklyn to get exactly what they want without gouging one particular team. 
could you imagine Donovan Mitchell and Ben Simmons with complimentary players like Patty Mills and Royce O'Neal and, you know, Seth Curry and you know, all those other guys. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that, 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 that's a, that, that's a nice squad. And then you got Katie pairing up with CP three and book. And obviously the rest of their team would be what, like Jay Crowder and Cameron Payne and other minimum deals. Cause they would be, yeah. they wouldn't have anybody else. Cause they'd have to trade pretty much everybody else. If they're keeping CP three and book. And then obviously Utah would be in a full rebuild after right. trading away Royce O'Neal, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. So, um, Utah's incentive could be just picks and, you know, salary dumps. So that way they can rebuild for sure. Exactly. And I think the picks is going to be key because obviously Utah is not a big time free agent destination. So uh, definitely to get some picks would be, would be great. Uh, But Chaz, that's not the only thing that's been, that's been going on uh, as it relates to the Lakers and the Kyrie situation. There was some interesting exchanges, or I guess in this case, it would be what a non-exchange that happened at the Lakers uh, summer league opener in Vegas, man, this was the most awkward thing I have ever seen play out on television at a game live. And with summer league, it's always about, you know, who's there, who's with who, who's talking to who. I'd never seen pictures of Woj, you know, talking to so many GMs on the internet at the same time. So you got a picture of Woj with Palenka and Palenka with Sean Marks, the GM of the Brooklyn Nets. And, you know, you got James Jones there. And, you know, obviously you got, you know, LeBron shows up. He's sitting in the far corner, uh, you know, with his entourage and his, uh, Randy Mims actually was the guy that was sitting next to him. Um, they, and and Damon Jones uh, and, and, and Damon Jones was there too. Next to Damon Jones was there yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so LeBron's there. Kendrick Nunn is there. THT is there. Mm-hmm. Juan Toscano Anderson is there. Um, you know, obviously Darvin Ham is there and Russ is there, but Russ is sitting in the far corner next to the bench. And Russ mm-hmm. is actually coaching up some guys on the summer league team, as you can see visibly uh, in um, a few pictures and a few uh, videos. But at no point publicly did you see LeBron James and Russell Westbrook exchange any words, any daps, any pleasantries, any anything. And reportedly, Russell Westbrook left the game at halftime. And whether they whether they're cool, whether they touch touch base behind the scenes in the tunnel, whether they showed up at marquee later on that night because they was in vegas you know and, and dapped each other up there we don't know all yeah. we know is that at the game visibly there was no lebron and no russ and that's just a stark difference from what we saw from last year when both of those guys were hand in hand arm in arm smile and smile mask and mask because obviously they had to wear masks at that time yeah. um at summer league taking pictures and throwing up the <clears> deuce <throat> and, and and doing what they do but to me, man, that's that speaks volumes to me. And then you got Darvin Ham going on and doing in-game interviews, talking about how what his plan is for Russ and how he's going to coach up Russ and how he's going to get Russ to do the things that Frank Vogel asked him to do that everybody's been asking him to do for the last fifteen years to be a better player. The reason why KD left, the reason why you know Harden didn't want to play with him anymore, the reason why probably Bradley Beal and him didn't work out because there are certain things that Russ just hasn't been able to do. And somehow Darvin Ham is going to be the guy to do it. Now, I do think that he's the guy that's 
that has the best chance, but I don't think that Russ is just going to turn into somebody that he hasn't been in a matter of just a few months. So yeah, I think it's something you cannot bring Russ back, especially now that you see this visible. thing. I like what AD did. AD is just in the gym. He got mm-hmm. a newborn on the way. He Agreed. didn't go to Vegas. I'm, I'm not. I, I, I mean, AD needs to do that at this point, considering all the flack that he received for not picking up a basketball since April 5th. If he would have, if he would have uh, actually shown up to Vegas, I think that would have put on round two nah. of a, you know, I mean, you know how people are. They'd be like, what's AD doing in Vegas? You should be in the gym somewhere working out. I mean, we, you know how people, whether it would have been justified or not, that would have been the angle. That would have been the narrative for Anthony Davis. Um, I partially agree with you. Uh, here's the thing. We all know what's up. We know how the season ended with those two. We know what Russ said in the media during uh, exit interviews and how it was a lie that Anthony Davison and LeBron may have said, oh, let Russ be Russ, but that actually wasn't the truth. And I mean, he sees and reads all the same stuff we're doing. These guys are on social media. They're on Instagram. They're on Twitter. They're on TikTok. They, they, they hear that they, they watch TV. They know what's going on, what's swirling around him. So, you know, why would I, you know, if I'm LeBron, I'm just going to look at it, at it from his lens. Why am I going to be disingenuous and go up to this guy when I'm trying to work really hard to get him out of here, not to mention go back five months ago. I was working really hard to get him out of here at the deadline to, to, to Houston for John wall. So, I mean, some people have long memories like that. If I'm Russ, it's the same thing. It's like, this dude wants me out of here. Why am I going to go up to him and, and shake his hand? Not to mention, we don't know if they ended up hanging out, saying what's up to each other after, you know, after the game or uh, uh, before the game, I'm sure they, they must've ran into each other and exchanged pleasantries. As far as Ham saying what he's saying, there's no guarantees. Russ is not going to be on this team come training camp. So I have to come up with a plan now and at least have it in my back pocket, knowing that if this guy shows up to training camp and we're going to have him at least through the first two, three months of the season, I have to know how to best utilize him. And at least like you said before, this was an interesting point posture and at least make it look like I'm going to try and get the best out of him and make him a better defender and make him a a more efficient offensive player and all of these other things. So there's a lot of posturing going on, but I think LeBron and Westbrook were in a damned if we do, damned if we don't situation. If we don't say anything, we all people can do like you and I is insinuate. Was it something or was it nothing? But we don't know for sure. That's the thing. So is it, so is it something to you or no? Um, Based on everything that we we know and heard, it's really not anything at this point. What? It's I don't everything. Think it's anyth- I don't think it's anything to be quite it's, honest it's, with you. Hey man, because, it's not because some, both have it's made not their something feelings and it's not nothing. clear. Both have made their feelings clear. Westbrook in particular. So it's I think not- at this point, it, you don't have to be. Fr- let, let me point something else out to you. You don't have to be friends in order to be successful on the court. So if Westbrook is a Laker come training camp, all they have to do is have a decent working relationship you don't have to be boys in fact i i mean one of the best dynamic duos of all time two of them actually were not friends scotty and michael were not friends and they won six championships together Shaq and kobe were not friends three-peated there you go so you don't have to be friends you just if this is what it is you talk it up hey whatever happened in the past let it be the past let's work together let's try to make this a go for for as long as we can if it gets to that situation, but maybe it won't because Westbrook will likely be gone come training camp in September. 
man, listen, it's not something, it's not nothing. To me, it's everything. Because how LeBron James runs his teams, he's never not been the best player on a team that he was on, okay, ever in his life. So his role is to galvanize the troops and bring everybody together. If he thinks that there's somebody that's going to even possibly be on his team, why did he even dap up Kendrick Nunn, who hasn't even played a game for the Lakers and is getting $10 million from the team, $5 million a year? Why would he even dap Kendrick Nunn up? Why would he dap THT up? I mean, these right? guys, okay, these, first hold of on, all, hold he on. won a championship I, with THT. These are, that's, not the, these are, that's not a fair conversation. But okay. these, are, these are rhetorical questions because he knows that those guys are more than likely could still be on the team he knows for a fact 99.9 percent that russell is not going to be a laker on the team next year which is also why you heard noise about his extension mm-hmm. coming up that's uh that can be signed and negotiated uh no august 4th and that's actually soon. That's in what 24 uh, days it's, 22 uh, days, it's, it's about, it's three, about weeks. three weeks it's about three weeks yeah if if the Kyrie deal doesn't get done by August 4th, man, that is the timeline. Because you have to, in my opinion, that's the pressure that Clutch put on the Lakers when the extension talks and all the reports about LeBron not signing an extension um, by August 4th if the Lakers don't get the You're Kyrie. dealing so with an me, interesting for conundrum that, of patience. For that reason only. For Rob Palenka, yeah, okay. For that, for that reason only, that's why. This is everything to me because that's Maybe. just not how this guy runs his team. I, I could understand where you're coming from, but I'm talking about it as a pure, as purely as pleasantries and relationships. It's not a big, it's not a super huge deal because I think we both know where everybody stands with each other at this point. So, I mean, what's that, what's that proof? They shake hands and whatnot. What's that going to say? I mean, you know, basically you're being disingenuous at that point. If you don't say anything, you're at least you're you're not exactly lying about the situation. We both know, like I said, we both know how the other feels about one another at this point. We everybody knows what's going on. So why do we have to address it with one another? You know, I mean, if they end up stuck with one another, then then that's a bridge you cross when it's time. But as of right now, I don't think it's anything about bad blood. I just think, hey, we're in the middle of this thing. Until we have some clarity, I'm going to stay away. You're going to stay away. And that's what it is. I don't think it's, no, I, huge, I don't think it's a super huge deal, especially if they ended up doing it behind the scenes. I think personally that a framework of a deal has already been agreed upon and they want to get KD off first before they even announce it. And Russ and LeBron might both know that the deal is already done and there ain't no point of speaking. That's why I think it's everything. With that being said, Chris, there's a whole lot of other stuff popping at Summer League this past week. You know what else? Hit me with it. I'll tell you on the other side of the break, my man. You know what? Here's to going for it. And being terrible. Here's to giving it a shot, even though your shot is uh, garbage. To being the queen of the court. Oh, maybe not this court. To feeling the burn, even if there shouldn't be a burn to feel. To trying your best, even though your swing is the worst. Here's to going down way harder than you get back up. To giving it your all. Even though you kind of suck. 
But you know what doesn't suck? <laughs> Trying to do something you've never done before. That doesn't suck at all. Not even a little. Welcome back to the Outlet Forum podcast. In case you haven't already done so, be sure to download and follow all our podcasts on all major streaming platforms. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Play. We're on iHeartRadio. And of course, we're on Apple Podcasts. Leave us that five-star rating. Drop a comment. Let's get that dialogue started. You could also go to nightcastmedia.com, N-I-T-E-C-A-S-T media.com. Go to the shows tab, and that will take you to our Apple Podcast page. You know, Chaz, it was kind of a rough week. If you were a fan of gangster movies, uh, there were two iconic legends who passed away. One of them was James Caan, best known yes. as Sonny Corleone from The Godfather, a temporary head of the Corleone family who was a hothead, had so many iconic scenes and lines in that. A lot of people may remember him from some of his later work. He was in movies like Eraser, Elf with Will Ferrell. He was absolutely tremendous in that movie. Uh, I mean, too many. Hilarious movies. in that movie. Oh, yeah. No, he was he was awesome. Really showed his versatility. But he's done a lot more. He did a lot more comedies toward the end of his career. He passes away at the age of 82. And uh, he wasn't the only one. Tony Sirico. A lot of people may say, well, who's that? You know him if you saw him as Paulie Walnuts from The Sopranos. I mean, what an iconic hilarious, legendary character. So many great lines, so many great quirks. I mean, he was vicious, but he was so like, he was almost like a comedic relief as well without even trying to do so. Uh, he was a former gangster turned actor. So, I mean, this was, this guy was actually a true wise guy. And then he became an actor later on in life. He was also in Goodfellas, he was, of course, yep. best known for uh, in The Sopranos. He did he did some other movies as well, uh, but he was best known for his role in The Sopranos. So just a shout out to to both of those guys. I mean, when you have lines about you know talking about why people go to hell, I mean, hell is hot. It's never been disputed by anybody. You take up all your mortal sins and you multiply those by fifty. You take up all your venial sins and you multiply those by twenty five. Add them together, and that's how much time in purgatory you actually do. I mean, 6,000 years is nothing in eternity time. I could do that standing on my head. That's like a couple of days here. I mean, you got that pretty good, bro. Hey, for it. Hey, man. Obviously, clearly these these movies, I mean, for me, these movies and and these actors, you know, may they rest in peace, but, you know, they really contributed to the culture. And, yeah. you know, if you love mob movies and if you love um, Goodfellas and you love those types of movies, then these guys are, are staples. So for you, you know, you can do impressions all day. I can't, I ain't got Italian in my blood like you. So you, you got it down pat, but yeah, man, um, shout out to those guys and may they, may they rest in peace, bro. For sure. For sure. And, you know, obviously Tony Sirico, part of the ensemble cast of one of the great HBO series ever in the Sopranos. And speaking of HBO series, uh, winning time, the rise of the Laker dynasty, fantastic series. If you haven't already done so go to HBO max, stream all 10 episodes. We recently had Spencer Garrett, who plays the le legendary Laker announcer, Chick Hearn on this, on this podcast two weeks ago. And what was a little bit disappointing was the Emmy nominations recent uh, were released this week and winning time was not on any of the main categories. No best actress, no best supporting actress, no best series. None of that. They got one nomination and it was for best cinematography. We're talking about a snub to John C. Riley, 
Adrian Brody, Jason Siegel, uh, Sally Field, Quincy Isaiah, who killed it as Magic. Who Thompson. did a great job. Oh, man. my gosh. Dr. Solomon Hughes as Kareem was fantastic. Wood Harris uh, as Spencer Haywood. He kind of showed up, spoiler alert, halfway through the series, but he was brilliant. I mean, Wood Harris, I've been a fan of for years. The Wire, uh, he was also an Empire. Remember the Titans? He's done a, a ton of great movies. So, I mean, just so disappointing that they got one lousy nomination. And it was for, I mean, no disrespect to the cinematographer. They, I mean, that, that was fantastic. But Chaz, how disappointing is that, that a series that really captured the imagination of a lot of people and opened the curtain to the rise of the Showtime Lakers didn't get more love or more respect from the, uh, from, from whoever voted in these, uh, these nominees. I don't know, man. I'll be honest between the Emmys and the Oscars and all these different awards. I know it's a bunch of politics, so I can't say I'm too surprised, but at the same time, when you sat down and you see the response after you watch it and you see what Spencer Garrett was talking about, about the chemistry that popped off the screen. Mm. Uh, for those of you that are listening and haven't listened to that interview uh, with us and Spencer Garrett a few weeks ago, go back and listen to that really good interview. Um, but I just, it's a great show. My favorite show, the show that I'm, you know, waiting for to come back. Um, I don't know if my favorite show out right now, P Valley is uh, got any nominations, but uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if P Valley got more nominations than winning time. Cause if they only got one, then, you know, where, where did all the nominations go elsewhere? So that, that'd be the question that I have, but no, it doesn't surprise me at all. But uh, winning time is, especially as a Laker fan, I'm that's the number one show that I'm waiting for, especially now that I know that season two is coming out. Um, however long, however soon it is because Spencer Garrett was able to confirm that for us a few weeks ago. So I don't know, man, we'll, we'll see how it shakes out and we'll see how the show, you know, progresses, but hopefully it just motivates them to even make the show that much better because to me, it can't get that much better. So um, just makes for an even better watching experience for me and all the other Laker fans moving forward that love this show. For sure. And for sure. And, and hopefully this motivates them to, you know, Adam McKay and, and, and Jeff Perlman, who wrote the book, uh, Showtime, The Rise of the Showtime Lakers, which the series is based on. Hopefully this motivates them like, OK, you're going to snub us. Then we're going to we're going to put you in a position where you can't do it next year. Uh, and, and hopefully they'll, they'll get some nominations. But uh, Chaz, a lot still going on around the NBA. We're in the middle of summer league right now. We got some new rule changes, the playing tournament. Uh, the take foul. Uh, so, I mean, th there's some stuff that's gone on in, in the past week that could affect uh, the NBA season coming up uh, in, in 2023. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff that's going on. So Mark Stein and Sham Sharani of the uh, Athletic have both reported that uh, Adam Silver and the Board of Governors have voted and approved, uh, first off, the play-in tournament as a permanent part of the NBA. So seven and eight, seven playing eight, nine playing 10, and the loser of seven and eight playing the winner of nine and 10 is here to stay. These are the new rules of engagement moving forward. And to be honest with you, I'm okay with it. Um, there is a part of me that thinks, hey man, over half of the teams in the league get in the playoffs anyway. How are you, now you're making it two thirds of the teams in the league have a shot as far as post regular season mm -hmm. opportunities, right? Um, even though you're in the plan doesn't mean you're in the playoffs. So now you're still in that uh, area, but I'm all right with it overall. I get it. It's, it's a money grab. You got to be able to play pay. I'm sorry. Uh, these players 
you know, their salaries, these TV deals and everything like that. So more games, more ticket sales, more concessions, more TV ratings. So I get it from a business perspective. Uh, as a b- basketball purist, um, I don't like it. But what I do like is the fact that the take foul is being talked about. Now, it isn't, but it has been officially implemented and it has been voted on by the board of governors that the take foul. So you see a play where, hey, AD gets a block. LeBron gets the ball in transition. He gets to about half court. He sees a player up and he's about to pass it, but somebody fouls him at half court to stop the fast break. That's now going to be a one-shot penalty plus the ball just for doing that. And I love it. They're already experimenting with it in the summer league. And it's something that's going to be eliminated from the game because it's not a basketball play. All it does is it brings down highlights. It actually, um, you, you actually saw this take effect in the finals. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum both got into foul trouble because they took early take fouls against Golden State. Obviously, they didn't foul out, but they were put in a position where, you know, why do you have your star players taking take fouls in the first quarter of the game? Just didn't make any sense to me. But I think either way, some way, somehow, you know, players are going to get around it. They're going to probably start to draw charges. So if you're behind somebody, kind of like they did with the clear path, you just want to get to the side of them and foul them. But now instead, you're just going to try and take a charge. And if it's caught as a block, it's still a foul, but it's not a take foul. So people are already talking about that. But at, at the end of the day, I like the fact that that rule was implemented. I like the fact that the rule, the Steph Curry rule was implemented after. I'm not Steph Curry, but Zaza Petrulia sticking his foot up, up under Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, I love that rule. Protect the um, shooters a little bit. And I think now they, 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 they're not overcompensating for that anymore. They are actually looking at, is this guy actually trying to draw contact or is he getting fouled? So I think they're, I think they've really balanced that out and not just falling for whatever the shooter is trying to sell at that particular time. Absolutely. But what they really have to fix next is continuation. We have no idea what's an and one and what's not an and one. Mm-hmm. You might see what is an and one on a Tuesday night. And then the same referee crew on a Thursday night will call the same play, not an and one. So we just don't have consistency. Um, We just need to go back to the old continuation rules. Honestly, if the ball's not put on the floor after contact and the ball goes in, it's to and one. Yeah, you can't you can't you can't judge whether or not that's a basketball player or not. You just have to just go like the ball go in if they're gonna float it up. Yeah, if they're gonna float it up. And I think that's the thing. The refs have gotten a little too cute with that, where they're just like, Oh, that's not a true basketball play. Uh I don't know, especially if it's okay. I can understand if it's a three-point shot or something and you're falling down and you're like 10 feet beyond the arc and you're a guy that doesn't take normally take threes. Okay, that's one thing. But if if you are actually in the paint and you're floating it up there. You have to you have to try to give the continuation on that. So it's even then, Chaz. I think you're still going to have some people questioning that because it's really at the eye of the referee, and it's not yeah, no really a, an established rule. So yeah, it's it's going to be tricky right there. But to take foul too, I I agree with that. I think it slows down the game. I think you know you want to keep the pace going. There's the entertainment aspect of well, you you like you said you want to have the highlights and everything like that. But from a strategy aspect, you're sort of taking away the defensive. Uh, strategy of protecting a three-point shot or an open layup. So once again, you know, you're, you're taking away our strategy over here, just like the banning the shift in baseball. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and they're also talking about a mid-season tournament. Yeah, I don't like that. 30 teams, 
eight-team single elimination. The final four goes to a neutral site, more trophies, and more money as incentive for the players. It's something that Adam Silver will not let go. And I'm of the belief that they better not shorten the season. They're talking about shortening the season by to 78 games instead of 82 games in order to implement these additional games. You know, but then you'll have some teams ending up not playing the same amount of games yeah. as far as regular season games exactly. if they do do it. I'm totally against this. And those teams are going to lose money unless they get a bigger cut of the revenue sharing. I'm totally against it. Yeah. The, the, they're trying to make the game like soccer. And I get why soccer is what it is, but there's certain things that you can't implement within certain sports like other sports already have. I'm completely against it. I wasn't against the play-in. And I'm, I'm not against change overall. I do get that things evolve. But then the skew of accomplishments is going to be different. And I think that's the reason why they haven't come out with like an offensive player of the year versus MVP award, because then you're going to get an extra award. And then mm-hmm. what is that? If that player has X amount of awards, and how does that make him great? I think they're worried about that, but they don't they didn't care about that when they implemented the Larry Bird and Magic Johnson MVP awards for the Eastern Conference and Western Conference, you know, MVP. So I don't know. There's it's it's a lot of back and forth. I think Adam Silver clearly has a goal and he's clearly going to get this implemented within the next few years as early as next season, not this next season, 22, 23, but 23, 24 would be the season that this new play in not playing. I'm sorry. Mid season tournament would take place. I'm already just going to, I'm going to go on the record now. I'm totally against it. I agree with you on that partner. I'm not, I can understand you're trying to make this thing more like soccer, but it creates confusion. That's what it does. It creates confusion. You put it right smack in the middle of the season, you know, and for, you know, what does that mean for the rest of the season? Does it not, it does it not get valued as much and you shorten the season. Not everybody plays the same amount of games. It just creates a lot of confusion. I mean, I can understand you're trying to attract an audience. You're trying to, you know, make these games mean more because as we know, just like with any regular season, you're going to get hit even in football and they have 17 games, you're going to hit those times where it's just like, you know, week eight in the NFL. Okay, cool. Like nobody really cares that the Rams are going into Cleveland and taking on the Browns. You know what I mean? But there's so few of games that, they obviously do mean more baseball and basketball and hockey. They have this because the regular seasons are long. So I understand you're trying to maintain a high level of interest throughout the entire season, not just during the playoffs, not just, you know, uh, you know, after Christmas and whatnot, or during the trade deadline, or even during the off season, you want it to be all year round. I just think if you're doing that, you're making it a little bit too gimmicky. And just like with this playing tournament, the downside of it is you're, you're basically, giving an opportunity like a team like the Lakers, for example, 33 and 49, they were still in the, the play-in situation when they really had no business being in the play-in situation. It's not like they were knocking on the door of seven and eight, and yet they still had an opportunity to be in the play-in. That's not right. You know? And there's no word of them changing that. Like if you're only, because in the bubble, when they first implemented the play-in tournament in the bubble, there was you had to be teams. within a certain amount of games. I think it was three games. Exactly. That makes games. sense because at least you have, but if you're eight games teams, out, if you're eight games and you're out, way below 500, out, yeah. But, but but it just so happens that you're the nine or the ten seed. I just don't. I don't know, man. I, yeah. I yeah. here's the thing. I, I'll, I'll say this before I'll tell everybody to get off my lawn because I know I'm sound like an old school guy when I'm saying this. But I'm all for the players making more, 
and I'm all for the game evolving, but I'm not interested in playing these pair, paying these players more for doing less. Agreed. That's we pretty much what I said last game, week. The game is 82, uh, but you were talking reputation, legacy, personal stuff. I, eh. but I, 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 but I got your overall premise, but if these guys are making absorbently more dollars than Shaq, Kobe, MJ, Dr. J, Charles Barkley, you know, there's a reason why these guys are salty, man, because Kawhi Leonard can play 58, 65 games and still get paid 38, 40, cents on the $5 million, you know, and, and I get, and I understand why some people might be a little salty about that. Don't shorten the season. They need to keep the season the way it is. And we need to, why do we have to incentivize players for doing their jobs when they're getting paid as much as they are? We got to throw more money at them just to be, just to play hard during the middle of the season I, I, in and the dog this, days of December and January leading up to the all-star break. I I'm just not for that. I, I agree with you. And that's, that was sort of the undertone of what I said last week. It's like, these guys want all this player empowerment, right? But to quote, Ben Parker from Spider-Man, Peter's uh, uncle, with great power comes great responsibility. It doesn't just mean you get empowered and now you get to do whatever the hell you want. You're under contract. You owe it I to- did not see, sorry, I did not see a Spider-Man reference coming in this pod tonight. Sorry. Okay, okay. well, well, well surprise. <laughs> uh, here it is. Yeah. Uh, but with great power does come great responsibility. So what that means is if you want more money, if you want more revenue, and, and y- y- I understand that, but at the same point in time, it doesn't mean you get to kind of, you know, flip off the owners and the fans by sitting out and picking your own schedule. That's, that's not right. Now, if you're injured, that's one thing, but strategically taking games off is not right. And I think it's been gone to a different level. I understand the Spurs started it, but they started it because their guys were 50 years old at the time with a lot of miles on those legs. So strategically, yeah, you're going to do that. And I know they do that in baseball as well, but it's 162 games. There's a lot more opportunity out there and there's a lot less days off. The NBA has done a great job over the last few years, starting the season earlier, limiting the back-to-backs, limiting the four and five nights. And yet you're still taking this many games off. Really? You're still sitting out. You know, I mean, there's just, there, there was a lot of things done this past year or the past two years. And I understand the pandemic certainly threw a curveball into a lot of it, but I think it's left a bad taste in owners' mouths and fans' mouths and in, in TV rights and all of that stuff. You know what I mean? There's a lot of things at play here. So everyone has to kind of be, once again, I uh, will do another movie quote, Godfather 3, our ships must all sail in the same direction. That's what it is. Because if you want 100 cents on the dollar at making 36 to 46 million a year, which is absurd. I mean, that's generational wealth for one year of playing a kid's game. I mean, not to, not to break it down in its simplest form. Hold on. Not to break it down in its simplest form. But these guys are making a huge living doing exactly what it is they want to do and, and what they've been doing their entire lives. So I, just- I think from that aspect, you have to... You owe it, not maybe not to the owners, you owe it to the fans. And, th- and, and that's where I'm really coming from. A lot of people say, oh, Camelo's pro owner. Not as much as I am pro fan. And I think the product has been diluted in recent years. And combine that with how salty some of these guys have been toward ownership, towards fans, towards media. It, it just doesn't look good. It doesn't look good, Chaz. No matter how you slice it, there's a bad look 
And that bad look is resonating more from the players these days, in my opinion, than it is from owners, media, and fans. Just an opinion. I got an opinion on that too, but I'm going to let my man Scottie Pippen say it better for me, like he said on Sirius XM earlier this week. Check it out. That's, that's the game today. You know, players uh, control their own destiny and not much loyalty is needed on either side of the table anymore. So I'm, I'm fair with it, to be honest. I kind of like how the players have the freedom to change and it's what the owners have been doing to players for years. So they just even the playing field to me. I don't, I don't feel bad for what Katie is doing at all. I think it's a great move for him. You move as much as you want in today's game. It's like to me playing pickup basketball. You can start up playing with Eddie Johnson over here, and, and, and he shoot too much, and then go go back over there and play with Michael Jordan. Hey, dog, ain't nothing different than what the owner's been doing for years. Shout out Scotty Pippen. Shout out Scotty Pippen Jr., who's playing his ass off for the Summer League Laker team. Uh, looking great. But can I say this? Can, yeah, Scotty Pippen Boop. Jr. has been great. But let me just say this, though. I think the owners and the, and, and the organization itself have actually cleaned up that aspect a lot more. There are some exceptions. What happened to DeMar DeRozan with Masai Ujiri in Toronto is one thing. What happened to Blake Griffin with the Clippers, that's one thing as well. But consistently, these organizations have done a lot more to really build partnerships, which was a precedent set up by Adam Silver and his team in the commissioner's office to create a bridge between the owners and the players. That's not just owners here, players here, billionaires versus millionaires. It's more of a partnership. So I think that aspect has gotten cleaned up certainly a lot more than when Pippen played, in my opinion. I can understand why he has that, that kind of opinion, but I think that aspect's been cleaned up. So it doesn't mean that the players should throw that back in the owner's face, especially when a lot of that stuff didn't affect them directly. You know what I think? I think if I was a player, damn a partnership, you know, like, yeah, the, it's been owners here and players here forever. Now it's supposed to be viewed like this as far as the players and the owners in the same field. But if you take the players away, you got nothing. Mm. What's 0%? What's a hundred percent of zero It's still zero. If the players I, aren't playing at the I, end of the day. So, right. Exactly. So, but, can, but, but once again, though, you can't take advantage of that. Meaning the players, because once again, your salaries are up across the board. Zion Williamson does not deserve 231 million based on what he's done in the or not done in the first three years, but yet he's doing that. That was not the case even 10 years ago when well, the rookie not, contract, most of these guys, including a guy like LeBron, would only get four for 75. When you're negotiating, you're not paid based off of what you've done. You're paid for sometimes you are projected for what you're going to do. So there, sometimes he's healthy. Are. And okay. no, all, all times, you're not just paid for what you've done previously. No, if, that, if that's the case, then well, guys are on, getting paid on, for. I'm sorry. For I hate to bring this know. up. Kobe no, no, got no, two no. for 48 million. And in, in, that is at the end of his career. That, so they, so th yes. did they not pay that, him for what he did and not for exactly what he was going to do? I'm talking agree on that. that. That is, yes, but that is a one off situation that does not happen. That only comes once a generation. Okay. They didn't do it for Paul Pierce. They didn't do it for KG. They didn't do it for Carmelo. They didn't do it for Dirk Nowitzki. They didn't even do it for Tim Duncan. In baseball, this actually happens a lot more often than the NBA. Okay. But, but I'm, I'm sure there are more examples all, out there, but that was one that stuck out to me. 
all these deals that get floated out every July 1st are projected based on what the player is going to do, not what they've done. It's taken okay. into account. It, it is. All I'm saying is, Chaz, don't, don't think just because you're owed that, that means you get to kind of do whatever you want. That's all I'm saying about the players. Stop thinking that you got free reign on this. You are still, I hate to say this, you're still an employee of these teams. I There's you. a lot of people who spend a lot of hard-earned money to then go watch you talking, play. Then we shouldn't be talking partnership then, or should we? You can't have it both ways. You can't be an employee and a partner at the same time. So which one is it? I'm saying the partnership aspect. I'm Okay. The partnership is the idea. Right. It's hold on. But, it, but it's, it's not the reality. Idea. It's not. It's okay. Not but it's still an idea where they've done an even split on revenue sharing. Right. There's been more of an even split. It's not 60, 40 or 70, 30 anymore. It's become more or less 50, 50, give or take for the most part. So the partnership aspect I'm, I'm thinking about big picture wise between the, all of the owners, as well as the players association. Now, on an individual level, though, you're signing a contract to play for that team. Are they not? They're not signing a, a, a contract to be a minority owner of that team. Now, maybe that happens after their careers are done or whatever, but I'm talking about in the moment. When you're signing a four-year, a five-year deal worth, worth $230 million, you are now a still uh, under contract. You're an employee of that team. I'm just talking about it in its most basic form right. here. I got you, but it's, it's, it, for me, it's a mentality and it runs deeper than that because okay. a generation ago, every owner was white. The majority of the players were black and it, and it still is kind of like that. I mean, let's not lie to ourselves here. Yeah. Yeah, ex exactly. So in yeah. the seventies, what before Magic Johnson and Larry Bird came onto the scene and the NBA was a dying brand who couldn't even get you know, sponsorships and you got other like David Stern talked about other sponsorships going away just so that way the NBA doesn't get anything. I mean, look, this league was built on the players backs. Let me just ask you this before we go into and close the show in a little bit. Do you think 50 50 revenue sharing split between the players and ownership is fair for the players? Is that a good deal to you compared to where it was? No, 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 no. Not, not compared to where it was, because obviously it was less and it keeps going up. But based on right now, just overall and your basic thinking of revenue sharing is 50-50 a good deal for the players. It's not awful. It's not awful. It's it's not awful. No, it's no. not. Well, in my opinion, it's not a good deal because without the players, again, you would not generate that revenue. So why should we? split 50 50 with something that you wouldn't be able to generate on your own anyway that's my thinking and that's what all every opinion that i have about this subject is derived from you can't the do guaranteed the salaries players. are up though the guaranteed salaries are up that's the, that's the trade-off jazz once again like you wanted to throw at me you can't have it both ways Right. Listen, no, I, I, I fundamentally I got always been pro worker pro player okay i think these guys should be a Capitalism at its, at its best, man. What you can, when you can, while you can. I don't blame you for that. However, I do think, and you have to agree with this too, in recent years, there's been more of a juicing of the system. You know, how, how much can I make the most money I can by doing the least amount of work and hiding behind something, whether it be injury or I'm not saying all players are doing this. I'm not trying to trivialize it, but mental health. 
load management, all of that stuff. There's been more of that where it's like, you know what, what could I get away with? It's like showing up late to work. How late can I show up to work before anyone really notices? That's what I am alluding to because it dilutes the product jazz. That's all, that's all I'm saying. I, and I'm, and I'm thinking about it, not just from an owner's aspect. Once again, I'm looking at it from a fan aspect and selfishly a media aspect as well. So I have good stuff to watch and write about as well. That's, that's what it is. And we have good stuff to talk about too on this podcast. We do. We do. Um, well, I'm going to just leave it at that. Cause I could talk on this podcast forever about what, we were just talking about with the difference in sure. players and partnership. And it's and a good conversation. And, and yeah. I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I'm just, once again, let me play devil's advocate and just look at it from the other side, because I might be missing something too. Yeah, I might be too. And thank you for being my counterpart to make me see the other side. We need more but of that in this country, just in general. I don't want to get into politics or society as a whole, but we could use a little bit more of what we just had, a civil conversation where we don't necessarily agree, but we don't hate each other after it either. No doubt. Before I close out and pull up social media, free Brittany Griner. I know LeBron James spoke out on it on the shop, and he's had to not walk back, but send out another tweet saying that he didn't, say anything disparaging about the country he was just saying like she should question whether she wants to come back to america or not because no one's really stuck up for as far as the white house going to get her but with that being said i'm gonna get into politics but free britney griner and uh go check out the shop uh this friday um on hbo now social media post of the week chris we got a lot of good stuff and i know you told me that you got something pretty funny (laughs) lined up for social media post of the week i'm gonna let you go off first this week what is your social media post of the week my man so uh as we know zach wilson the uh, and i'm going nfl here zach wilson the young quarterback of the new york jets made the headlines for very interesting reasons so basically he no longer has his girlfriend his college sweetheart she's now dating one of his former teammates from byu and it was rumored now this kind of got skewed it was rumored that he was dating his mom's best friend, not his best friend's mom, his mother's best friend. I don't know if that meant dating or whatnot, but I mean, this is not something you hear about often. Certainly not in the athletic world. You, most of these guys usually go younger or they'll go, you know, more with somebody with prestige. You'd never go with somebody in your own backyard. So, I mean, and for somebody who, I mean, I'm in a relationship now, but let me go back 10 years for someone who's dated older women. It, it was a very interesting, uh, it was just very interesting to read about. And I couldn't help but just smile and be like, man, this guy pulled the page out of my book a little bit. So my tweet comes from uh, Kenny King Jr. at Kenny King Jr. And it says, I'm telling my kids, this is Zach Wilson. And it's a picture of uh, Paul Finch from American Pie, played by Eddie K. Thomas. Yes, sir. Who is best known for? Hooking up with Stifler's mom. Stifler's mom has Stifler's got it mom. On. So it was a great, it was just a really funny post because American Pie is something, well, Chaz, you and I are around the same age. It, that's a movie we kind of grew up on. And um, the entire American Pie series is great. I've watched all the movies and love the cast, love the characters. And I just thought this was hilarious. So it was nostalgic on many different levels, but hey, go Zach Wilson, man. Got a, hey, got a I, thing I, for Cougars. I, I could relate, could- unfortunately. <laughs> Quick, quick, re- quick comment in reference on that. Uh, 
his girlfriend, ex-girlfriend now, yeah, hooks up, is now with his best friend, tried to throw Zach under the bus, right. but thinking that he's going to get a bunch of negative comments, and all he got is comments like, Zach got that dog in him. And guess what? Zach got that dog. <laughs> shout out, shout out, Zach Wilson. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Hey, Everyone's got taste. Everyone's got taste. You know, I mean, hey. we see, we see Travis I, Kelsey's ex girlfriend. She was black. Everybody was loving that. I mean, hey, each his own, man. Do, uh, do, too you, bad, do you. Too what? bad they broke up. Report. Too bad they broke up. Report. Oh, yeah. But I got yeah, one. Man. I got, oh. I, I got some heat. I got some heat. So hit me with it. I'm, not, I don't want to kick a man while he's down because Sharif O'Neal has played great well not great but good since his terrible game last friday on in the first uh, summer league game for the lakers in vegas and this tweet comes from at curry to goat 15 it says shaq watching this in in word sharif o'neal like dot 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 and it's a picture of shaq with this terrible face actually at the all-star dunk contest earlier this year where he's just looking like, man, get this man off the court. So shout out to, to uh, Curry, the GOAT, Fit215. Uh, that was pretty much one of the funniest things that I saw because uh, Sharif did play pretty bad. He played pretty good this past Sunday. I don't know how he's playing tonight, um, but I thought that was a pretty funny tweet. So shout out Curry, the GOAT215 for my social media post of the week that is pretty funny though because you know Shaq is not in favor of Sharif playing summer league or any of that stuff he'd rather him go back to school which is fine Shaq's being a dad I get it but uh, but he probably still will I I don't think I think Sharif needs a few years in the G League he needs some polish he needs some polish in his game he needs he just needs reps I mean the guy's hard the guy hardly played in college now you know now's a good opportunity to get your reps in and and who knows maybe uh you know we're seeing a lot more guys have productive careers after coming out of the G League so it could be a a path for him to uh at least be a solid player one day so best of luck to the youngster Sharif O'Neal definitely definitely need some work but shout out to my guy with that being said that's it for this week's episode of the Outlet Forum Podcast. You guys know where to find me on Twitter at Chaz Pearson, on Instagram at Chaz P. Chris, where can they follow you, my man? You could, all, you could always follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Camelo. I'm on Instagram, Camelo one Be sure to follow uh, the Outlet Forum on Twitter and Instagram at the Outlet Forum. At, that's at the Outlet Forum. And uh, yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff this uh, this week, partner. Good stuff, man. So we'll see. We'll be on Katie and Kyrie watch until it happens, man. It's the biggest story. It's the biggest thing that's happened in Lakerland. And it's a trade that the Lakers actually need to be competitive because I don't see them being very competitive with Russell Westbrook back on the roster that they've been able to assemble. And do you realize, Chris? And here's a crazy just a crazy stat before I let you guys go. None of of the players that logged minutes as far as free agents that are still available none of these players have been offered a deal at all that's Carmelo Anthony Avery Bradley Dwight Howard Wayne Mm. Ellington Kent Bazemore DJ Augustine uh, Mac McClung who's actually playing uh, in the summer league none of these players have been offered a deal and that's 5,971 minutes of combined minutes second place is charlotte at 3500 minutes between miles bridges uh montrez harrell um and a few other players so yeah 
all that to say wow. the Lakers had a shit roster last year. <laughs> yeah. With- no. And, and those guys, I think some of those guys will end up with jobs. I just think everyone's kind of waiting for this domino effect of Kyrie and KD and going to see what the rest of their roster looks like before, you know, we, we actually see some of those dudes and they're going to be plug and play kind of guys, you know, and who knows, maybe some of them might even retire this next, this uh, probably so. Yeah. Before I get out of here as well, Breaking news, Pat Connaughton of the Milwaukee Bucks has signed a three-year, $30 million deal to return to Milwaukee. So with that being said, we'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Outlet Forum podcast. We'll see you soon. Peace.